It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 260 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, January 15th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show on Twitter as well at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Uh, Locked On Raptors, of course, is also brought to you or part of the po- Locked On Podcast Network, which is uh, you know host team specific shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams. Uh, if you want to check out Locked On Vikings tomorrow, it'll be very happy, and I'm sure you can also check out Locked On Saints for some tears. Um, but make sure if you find a show on the network, if you like it, subscribe to it separately on its own iTunes page. You can do that with us. Locked On Raptors is on iTunes. Please go there, leave a rating, leave a review. It takes no time at all. It's the easiest way to help out the show. Show that you care, all that good stuff. Uh, and it takes you know, literally five seconds. And five-star review, uh, 55 people have left them so far. I appreciate and love all 55 people. Join the club. Uh, it's a really exclusive and elite club to be part of. So please do that on the iTunes page. It really helps. Uh, on today's show, uh, just kind of recapping one of the craziest games I've ever watched in my entire life um, with uh, our pal Vivek Jacob. Vivek, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Uh, it's been a really positive week for the Raptors. Uh, January is kind of the month that everyone's been waiting for, and so far, I'd say so good. And yeah, just looking forward to what's ahead as well. Yeah, I was thinking about it this week, like... The Raptors, on the whole, it wasn't like the most successful week ever. They were 2-2. Two and two. Uh, They lost that dumb game to Miami. They almost blew it uh, in Brooklyn in a game in which their best player got hurt. Uh, yet, I don't know if Raptors fans have felt this good about the team ever. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's been a very sort of uh, validation-filled week, I think, for Raptors fans. It's been pretty cool. Um, like, can you remember a week like this where they were so, I mean, also you factor in like the G League showcase and stuff. Like, can you remember a week in which the national media seems so like up and happy with the Raptors and like not just constantly critiquing the playoff losses um, or where fans were this optimistic or like, or it just felt like the respect of the team was going through the roof like this? Yeah, I mean, Harsh Levey kind of touched on this with his tweets. Uh, you look at the G League showcase, uh, the Raptors 905, sort of winning 11 in a row before that came to an end Um, and then you look at the Raptors on national TV on Thursday night against the Cavs uh, coming up big without Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka um, and DeRozan didn't even need to have a big scoring game to impact the the result Uh, and then you look at uh, the Warriors game with everyone in town um, and yeah yeah wasn't looking good at halftime, but uh, they showed they showed a lot of fight. Uh, obviously, some of that had to do with the Warriors being on the second night of a back-to-back, and maybe uh, they thought they did enough in the first half to sort of rest their legs a little bit. But uh, you got to give credit uh, to the Raptors because you know without Lowry, you're down 27. They could have easily just you know mailed it in and said move on to the next one, but they didn't. 
Yeah, for sure. You kind of carried the vibe of like maybe that game against Denver earlier this year where like they were down by so much and it was just like, all right, we could try, but uh, the circumstances of everything like maybe just doesn't feel like we want to try to come back here. Um, but no, man, they did. It was really fun. Uh, the bench was spectacular. I mean, I mean, Demar was outstanding as well. He finished with 42 on 17 of 31 shooting. We'll get to the final play, uh, final sequence of plays in a little bit. But what was your sort of I don't know, like, what was your roller coaster of emotions like watching this game? Like, in the first half, what do you think was going wrong for the Raptors? Was it just the fact that they were up against, like, maybe one of, like, the best offensive halves anyone's ever seen in basketball? Like, I can't remember a team being that just deadly efficient in a first half. What, they have 81 points on 71% shooting? Like, what are you supposed to do about that? Um, like, what do you think was kind of leading to the Warriors just having everything come to them so easily? It was just that they're the Warriors, or what, what was going on there? So I think the Raptors just sort of... It, it's so important in these big games how you set the tone. Yeah. And you look at uh, the Cavs game for comparison, and you had Jonas Valanciunas right at the beginning, you know, getting every defensive board, get, get, seemingly getting every offensive rebound. I think, what was it, he had 9-9 nine and nine in the first six minutes, and mm-hmm. I think that just set the tone... Uh, and allowed the Raptors to dictate the pace. And this game was in stark contrast because uh, they just sort of tried to get into this shootout. And so while they were able to hang with them for a little bit, I think at one stage it was 34-33, and then I think the Warriors, the, they went on a 25-4 to run. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that had to do with the Raptors going to that all-bench unit and just not being able to sustain. They just don't have the offense within that unit to keep up with the Warriors offense um, and so I think a lot of that stems from just right at the beginning setting the tone of how this game is going to be played what the pace will be and then you look at the second half in contrast they really played a lot more aggressive they got to the line in the third quarter and then uh, it, the young guys were just a lot more confident they, uh, Casey touched on this as well just them starting to believe that they can beat uh, that team and then they played like it yeah I think so too um, they the first half I don't know yeah I, I, I take your point I, I totally agree that it seemed like they were just like alright we can come out here and try to win a shootout and that never ends up working against the Warriors and they were on like a, a different level of they, they were even at like a different level than what the Warriors are typically at last night so um, you weren't going to beat them at their own game and it, like that's the kind of issue that you get drawn into with the Warriors right as you try uh-huh. to play like them and you just get blitzed and yeah when when I feel like the the absence of Kyle Lowry was really felt in that second quarter I mean Absolutely. I don't know Casey hasn't really gone with the staggered lineups at all this season but I feel like in a game against the Warriors maybe that's where he would have chosen to like all right maybe we'll go with Lowry with the bench here instead of going all five bench guys because like uh-huh. You go out in the second quarter, and it's bench on bench, but it's the Raptors bench, which is all their bench dudes, and then the Warriors bench, which features two top 25 players in Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, um, and two incredible defenders at that. So when you have a a, a lineup that already kind of struggles to create shots for itself up against a unit like that, I mean, you're asking for a 38-19 quarter, and that's exactly what they got handed to them. 
Um, what changed in the second half? Like, I know you mentioned the, fa- the the free throw shooting. Was it just... I mean, I also kind of feel like a, a big change in the second half was just the Warriors stopped being uh, the most com- complete and unbelievable version of themselves and kind of came back to earth a little bit. But um, was there a certain adjustment that you saw, something that the Raptors did, the way the, they rolled up their lineups? Was there something that sort of, you think, kick-started the comeback like that? So I think to your point, I think the Warriors, uh, the ball did start to stick a little bit with them. Mm-hmm. And... I think sometimes any team can get caught up in that, and especially the Warriors, where you know they they play such beautiful basket basketball, but they've also got these great stars. So when you've got a big lead like that, it's almost like, hey, you know, I've got a chance to maybe do a bit of my own thing here. Yeah. Um, and so I think they did get sucked into that a little bit, and who knows, maybe some of Drake's trash talking helped uh, <laughs> them get into that mode and try and prove a point. Um, but the other thing as well, I think the Raptors were a lot more aggressive with the screens uh just you know getting a lot more aggressive and making sure guys got hit uh, when they were running off picks and you know I, I think there were a lot less opportunities where the warriors were getting the ball on the catch and had whereas in the first half where they maybe had that extra split second to look up and find you know a cutter or get up for the shot now they had guys in their faces um and it was just a lot more aggressive on the defensive end The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In the fourth quarter, I mean, let's get to this now. Let's get to what happened late in the game because uh, this was kind of the sore spot for people at the end of the game. I mean, for me, the fact that they even were even remotely close, everything was gravy at that point, and I, d- I never really expected them to win. I think I tweeted with like four minutes left, like, oh, they're going to lose by 15, but hey, this was really fun. Um, obviously, they didn't. Uh, let it get away like that and they, they kept it really close and they had a real actual chance of winning the game late um, we get to that possession where DeMar has KD on him they don't really do a whole lot in, in terms of actions to get him free or don't really look for a switch and first of all the the issue was that I think it was it was DeRozan and, and CJ Miles that were kind of teaming up for this play uh, CJ Miles was supposed to set the screen uh, I think I think it was Curry, or no, sorry, it was Durant that was on DeRozan, and it was Curry who was on uh, Miles, and Curry was uh, Miles was the inbounder for this play. And I think uh-huh. if you if you notice what Cooper Smither uh, pointed out today, he had a really great observation on that play just before it happened. Uh, he's got the video on his Twitter account right now. Uh, Draymond instructs both Clay and Steph to. Uh, switch. To switch to switch assignments, yeah. So that yeah. set it up so that uh, Curry was going to be on. On Miles, uh, and then there was a, not a very good screen by Miles. There was not really any separation. Curry came up pretty high. Uh, there was lots of time for Durant to recover back to DeRozan, and then I think what the Raptors wanted to do is maintain the two for one. That's why I don't think they like rescreen or anything like that. I thought they were just trying to get the shot up as quick as they could. And like you get Demar with Kevin Durant and a little bit of space. Durant wasn't like totally up on him or anything. Like there was room mm-hmm. to get the shot off. Did you have an issue with that shot, the, the one that missed for DeRozan? Like, would you have done something differently? Or is it a situation where it's like DeRozan's hit that shot a million times, he's got 42 points in the game, uh, just like give it to your best guy and hope he can do what he's done a million times before? Yeah, I think considering everything that happened 
that led to that shot in terms of, as you pointed out, the CJ Miles screen, Draymond uh, switching Curry and Thompson, and then DeRozan having to shoot uh, or having to get past Durant. I think it was a good call. I think he got an open enough look, one that he's made with enough consistency this season for you know for him to sort of look and say, hey, this is uh, a comfortable shot. And, you know, it rimmed out. That happens. Um, but I, I think overall, I think down the stretch, I was disappointed with C.J. Miles. And, you know, you look at him uh, missing two of three free throws. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at not setting a great screen there. And then even uh, even to show a bit of panic with, a, uh, you know, it was about nine seconds left. He didn't really need to force that three-pointer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raptors could have just shown a bit more patience there and got a better look. So, uh, just some disappointing plays, uh, especially coming from a veteran, um, the guy that's been sort of the bench dad. So, uh, yeah, but you know, hopefully that's something that he can sort of learn from and progress as the season goes along. Yeah, you're hoping. And like, I feel like there's a lot of situations where Miles won't even be closing games. I mean, he, his shooting is always going to be an asset to have out there, but. I'm not sure he closes that game if Lowry's available. Um, and that play is probably a whole lot different if Lowry's the one screening. Um, right. And there's just a whole bunch of different factors that go into it. And, yeah, Lowry is important. And, like, they, they, they did all they could without Lowry, but having him in the lineup would have been just a, a huge bonus for, for some of the situations in which they were kind of exposed. Um, mm-hmm. I thought... You know, and the Warriors do this as well. They do a really good job of switching everything except for with Steph. Like, they do a really good job of avoiding switches with Steph. Um, and that kind of, you know, everyone's like, oh, I'll try to get the switch and get DeMar on Steph. Like, yeah, sure, that's not that easy. Um, like, this isn't the the Celtics of last year where it's like, oh, we can get the switch on Isaiah anytime we want. Um, like, the Warriors are pretty mindful of that stuff. So, yeah. um, and like, oh, they could have tried to get a switch with Durant off of DeRozan. Like, okay, then you have Draymond Green or Clay Thompson on him. Like, or Andre Iguodala. Like, it's not really, you're picking between pretty bad options anyway. Um, and the way the rest of the offense was working, I mean, OG had a pretty nice game offensively, but neither Serge or Jonas were particularly good. They weren't even on the court. Was Serge on the court late in the game or no? Was that Siakam and no, Hurdle? No, yeah. both. Both uh, Serge and Jonas yeah. were. So you're not uh, drawing they were something great up. cheerleaders. Yeah. Other than that. So you're not drawing something up for Pirtle or Siakam at that point. Like, mm-hmm. you're not like trying to design a play where it's swinging to Siakam for a three, um, as uh, nope. considering his struggles from that from that from long range so far this season. So I think considering the options, considering the, who they had on hand, I have no problem with just drawing it up and hoping DeRozan can kind of go ISO. Again, this is the exact same play the Warriors ran to get the lead as well, uh, with Durant right. getting that mid-range shot. Like, the, the, this is what teams do. This is not exclusive to the Raptors. Lots of teams simplify things late in games to prevent turnovers or just ensure that their best players have the ball in, in their hands with a, shot, with a chance to make a shot. Um, like, you don't want to have C.J. Miles, you know, having to be the guy in his hand, with the ball in his hands when you need a shot to be made. So, um, I, I think... While it's it's fair to sort of look at what they could have done differently, I think the reasons why it ended up being that shot, I, I'm totally fine with. Um, and, like, there's no one on the court I would have trusted taking a shot, especially yep. from that range, uh, over DeRozan in that game. He was just incredible. Uh, what was your... Uh, I guess we could talk about this, although the, the two-minute report, last two-minute report came out today, there wasn't really anything all that pressing. There's actually a few missed calls against the Raptors that didn't go against them um, from the last two-minute report. I, I don't know. Did you think the officiating had much of uh, sort of a fact, like a, 
hand in how this game fig- you figured out because honestly I don't I don't I wasn't I didn't come away from that game thinking oh man they got jobbed by the officials I came away from that game thinking oh man the Warriors are a team of robots and the Raptors just hung really closely yeah there were a couple of annoying calls but even the one like the the Pirtle one on Steph I mean. <laughs> There's probably not a foul. I mean, I think in the te- actual spirit of the rule, it is a foul, but they kind of don't really call it. Um, it's kind of been a thing where if you have momentum, you get a clean block and you hit the guy afterwards. They don't really call that, even though I think technically in the rules, I think Ryan Wolstad tweeted that today. Like, technically, it is a foul. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like that changed the outcome of the game. Obviously, if Steph makes those free throws, then maybe it's different, but ball don't fucking lie. So. Um, did you like? Did you think the officials played any part in how this one turned out? Uh, I mean, I'm not sort of going to get into the butterfly effect of um, mm-hmm. what could and what couldn't have happened, but uh, I think there was a bit of an impact just because of when the calls were made. Um, I think that's what you have to be mindful of. And I, I, the only thing I wonder about is how the referees define a sequence. Yeah. Because I've never seen that call before. Uh, where they actually go back and see when the ball went out of bounds first. Yeah. Um, so it sort of puzzled me when they weren't just looking at that the last touch of the ball by Curry and sort of determining who it went off of there. Mm-hmm. Because there's been plenty of... Like, I can recall a few times where I've seen the ball go out of bounds beforehand and they haven't done anything uh, about it. I mean, you could argue even, you know, the Giannis uh, play where he had the game winner against OKC, that was part of the same sequence, but they never called that out of bounds. Um, they just looked to see if it was off in time, so uh, how much time to put on the clock. So uh, there's a bit of, you know, I guess subjectivity with that, which I don't think you want to see uh, with big calls. Uh, it should be something objective. And, you know, so I'd, maybe there is somewhere deep in the rule book on what constitutes a sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I'm not... I'm not going to get into it too much. The Raptors gave a great effort. Um, at the end of the day, in terms of a game like this, you learn a lot more from everything, you know, the whole span of 48 minutes, what you can take away and what you can grow from, as opposed to just looking at the result and, you know, judging everything based off a win or a loss. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, maybe don't give up 81 points in the first half um, and you don't have to deal with that. Uh, weird sequence at the end where it, I think it went out of bounds like four times in that sequence. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it was a disaster that entire play. But sequence, uh, sequences, who knows? Yeah, but my whole thing too with that with, with what happened there is like I I don't know with the replay thing like maybe it wasn't totally within like what they're actually supposed to be able to review uh, and maybe it should have just been who touched it when it last went out of bounds and that's what they were reviewing. But like. If we're going still off, been one second left, and there's still yeah, down three. So yeah, and it's like, it's but also, if if we're going off of when it actually was out of bounds first, like it probably was out on Demar first, and if the replay caught that retroactively, like they still, I think they got it right in spirit, and I think like that's exact, that's what happened in a, in a vacuum with like robot calls, 
like mm-hmm. without review, like without review, like that's what would the call would have been anyway. So it's like, right. like sort of based it all on this like weird review technicalities, kind of a, a wishy washy way for me to sort of justify, you know, being upset with the officials. So, um, like I think at the end of the day, the call was correct. It was out on Demar, um, mm-hmm. and whatever the Raptors lost, it was fine. I don't have any ill will <laughs> after that game, honestly. Uh, I was not expecting them to win. I wasn't expecting them to really stay close. And after that first half, I was watching the Tennessee Titans get their shit kicked by the Patriots for a little bit because I just I was like, all right, this is very much over. Um, obviously, my attention was drawn back quite quickly. But um, I don't know. Sort of looking at it on a grander scale over the last week or so, has your opinion of the Raptors changed at all? Or are you kind of the same with like where you think their ceiling is or like how good they are? Um, I think my, my opinion hasn't changed. I'm more affirmative in my belief in the bench. I would say that, uh, just because I did, I did think that, you know, this is a bench that's a lot more assertive. That's a lot more unafraid of the moment. And so to see the way they stepped up both against Cleveland and Golden State, it helped reaffirm that belief. Uh, but in terms of the ceiling, I still think, uh, the Raptors saw nowhere near uh, Cleveland's best, so I would still, you know, say that Cleveland would be a definite favorite in a series. I would still say, you know, Isaiah Thomas looked nowhere near uh, the Isaiah Thomas of last season, so there's still a lot of time for him to get up to speed. Uh, LeBron James has struggled over the last few games, so uh, he wasn't great either. Um, yeah, so. Uh, in terms of the big picture, I, I, I still see them as, you know, sort of neck and neck with the Celtics. Uh, that'd be a great series. And then they'd have uh, a lot of work cut out for them against the Cavs. A great series that we're almost certainly not going to get, which is kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. Just, I, I'm really hoping, I want the standings to shake out. Uh, Raptors won. Uh yeah, probably Raptors. I mean, obviously, I'd like the Raptors one to avoid playing both Boston and Cleveland in the playoffs. But um, like, if for peak matchups, Raptors one, Celtics two, Cavs three, I guess, with like Bucks four or something like that. Um, <laughs> although the Heat are like creeping up on the Cavs right now, and if the Cavs fall to four, I mean, it's going to be really miserable watching the standings late in the season. So it always is a miserable exercise and very futile in trying to predict what's going to happen, but. Um, I think this right. year in particular, it's going to be kind of because like we don't want to see what happened last year, where it's like, oh yeah, you get the Cavs in the second round, and uh, it's hard. It's hard to really gauge how successful the season was because you run into that buzzsaw, and there's nothing you can do about it. But um, I think I'm okay with that though. Yeah, personally, with because the way I look at it is, you want to play the Cavs mm. uh, because I think that's where you learn the most. The Cavs are the team that are the closest. Uh, in terms of championship contention in the East. And so I think the Raptors stand to learn the most from playing the Cavs. So whether that happens in the Eastern Conference semis or the finals, it doesn't really make a difference to me. Because, yeah. uh, and I mean, uh, I know I've said this a few times, but I honestly believe the Raptors changing their culture had a lot to do with the Cavs outscoring them by 102 points from the three-point line. Yeah. And sometimes you need those hard lessons. And so, you know, for me, if the if, if I had to pick between uh, sort of playing the Celtics in the second round and not playing the Cavs at all, I, you know, I, I'd rather play the Cavs and learn something. 
That's fair. I guess I, I'm just a sucker for playoff games and playoff series <laughs> and stuff. They're fun. They're really fun. They're, they're fun to cover. They're fun to watch. Sometimes they're gut-wrenching to cover and gut-wrenching to watch, but um, I, I would like to see as many playoff games as possible. It was really fun when they went to the conference finals, as terrible as those series were. Um, any other parting shots from that game last night? Anyone who you know piqued your interest? Uh, Warriors? Are, you, uh, are there any chinks in the Warriors' armor? Are they like they're, they're not fair, man. Durant, it felt like every single time Durant was gearing up to take a shot late. Like, yeah, this is going in, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. It was mm-hmm. really frustrating. Yeah, no, when, they're, when they're at the top of their game, it's really, really difficult when they're all locked in and engaged, and it seemed like they were, uh, at least for one half. Um, I think the one thing that just stands out... Uh, terms of the game as a whole is just the attention to detail and the little things that yeah. the Warriors did down the stretch to execute and that's sort of what separates the championship teams and hopefully that's something that the Raptors can learn from, from watching game film. You pointed out Draymond Green sort of noticing the opportunity to switch Curry and Clay, and they do that right away uh, and then you look at the way that play panned out, uh, credit to Draymond and then uh, you know there was even the big play where Van Vliet makes the three to cut the Warriors lead to one, mm-hmm. and then Curry comes right back down the floor, and Siakam's just that step slow getting over to Curry, and Curry hits right back with a three. So just little things like that, and staying engaged and not sort of and staying in the moment. Uh, those are it, the little things that Raptors need to learn from. Um, on the flip side, it's great that a lot of those young guys played the end of that game, and they'll learn. Uh, yeah. They're the ones who will learn, you know. Yeah, it was really a big part of, or like a nice sort of uh, reminder of what the season's about too, and getting these young guys experience and getting them reps in situations that they have never been in before. It's nice. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really digging this month, man. As close as the games have been, and as you know, maybe it hasn't been quite as easy and breezy as uh, December was. I mean, I think if you're looking at it on the whole, like this was one of their worst weeks in terms of like level of play over the course of the full week. Cavs game notwithstanding, but like they weren't particularly sharp against uh, Brooklyn. Their offense was just brutal against Miami, and the defense against the the Warriors was was just putrid in the first half. Um, so like I think on the whole, like you could argue that they're on like their worst form they've been on in a while. But uh, I, I'm digging these close games. I'm digging having like crunch time situations in which young guys are, are getting to play because there's only so much you can learn from playing garbage time all the time, and that's what all of December was. So. Um, give me more of these close games. They're they're really fun. They're enjoyable to watch. Like it's I I like feeling yep. again. I feel again. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I I, I watched the game, uh, it, the Warriors game live, but uh, I I didn't have any sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched it today, and man, the ACC was just unbelievable. Oh yeah. Uh, it was it was rocking. The fans are so into it, and I think. That could play a big part too in a in a series against you know the Cavs or the Celtics. Like I think that belief is just stemming over into the fan base now. I, I think uh, with the way the Raptors are playing, this culture change, the offense now, the the Rosen honestly, this season he might be a top five offensive player in the league. Yeah. Um, like you know, there's there's LeBron, there's KD, there's Steph, there's Harden, and then Giannis is there, but DeRozan's like. Right there. Yeah, I mean, you look at what DeRozan does for the Raptors' offense. Like, yeah, that's the big 
thing, right? It's not just his scoring anymore. It's the way he's able to create uh, for everybody else. And in terms of that, I think he's right there. He's right there. Um, and so I think with that change now, I think there is a lot more optimism, and I think that translates over in terms of uh, the Raptors cutting into that Warriors deficit. You can just almost feel the bands like believe just as much as those kids did uh, that were playing the game. Uh, that yeah, they can beat this team. <laughs> uh, as crazy as it sounds. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they can't beat this team. But uh, the Cavs, maybe those defenseless Cavs, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe them. Sorry, I'm just, uh, I'm getting. Uh, the Titans are offering an extension of Mike Malarkey, which is very sad, and I, it just came across the, the wire as we're talking, and I'm uh, just laughing because it's so stupid. Either way. That has nothing to do with this football, with this uh, basketball talk, but just thought I'd share. Um, do you have any, uh, yeah, I feel like we've covered it pretty well. It was a really fun game. It should be a pretty good week as well. Philly on Monday in the afternoon. Uh, that's going to be fun. You get the Pistons and Spurs later this week, Minnesota as well. Uh, should be a good test all around for the Raptors, and I, I'm, I'm digging the, the run of good tests. It's, it's been nice. They performed reasonably well in these tests as well, so here's hoping they can you know, put together a couple wins here, maybe to rebound from a two and two week and stay with the Celtics in the race for the one seed and all that good stuff. Um, we will talk to you again next week, I'm sure. And we'll, we'll kind of dive into what happened over the course of this week. Do you have anything you want to plug in the meantime? Uh, yeah. Uh, sort of put up a little Q and a that I did with, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, Raptors 905 head coach, Sweet. uh, up on Sportsnet. So you can go ahead and check that out. I'll have, uh, another story just from, uh, what I saw at the G League showcase going up tomorrow, and that's at Sportsnet as well. But uh, on the whole, you can always check out my work at Raptors Republic and North Pole Hoops as well, and follow me on Twitter at Vivek M Jacob. That's uh, that's awesome. They did the thing with Stack. You are uh, there's some serious Blake vibes coming off of you, and it's a little terrifying. So uh, keep up the good work, <laughs> man. <laughs> keep up the good work. You're uh, you're killing it. Uh, make sure you check out all Vivek stuff. Uh, the thing I need to plug is, uh, during this podcast, I tried uh, Coffee Crisp Hot Chocolate for the first time. Huh? Uh, How was that? Hard recommend. It's really damn good. Uh, really? Yeah. I'm a big hot chocolate guy. So. Hot chocolate's really good. I, it was on sale today. I bought it, and uh, that is the thing I'm plugging. Coffee Crisp Hot Chocolate. Uh, Where'd you get it from? Uh, Walmart. It was just, huh? uh, yeah. I was just there picking up a couple things, and uh, it caught my eye. And I'm very glad it did because it is delicious. All right. So, yeah. Also, LockdownRappers.com. And uh, I'll be covering the game this week uh, against the Pistons, so I'll be there. I'll have something written about that as well, I'm sure. I've been really lax with the writing this month because uh, I'm not Vivek and I am very bad at my job. But I'll have some writing stuff coming down the pike soon. I've been busy. I'll I'll justify it all by saying I've been busy. It's fine. Um, You do great work, Sean. Let me tell you, I always look forward to your work. You're great with the podcast. You're always consistent with that. So, oh, well, uh, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. This has earned you another invite back. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that thanks for coming on, man. Uh, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you tune in to Locked On Rappers on iTunes. Leave a rating, leave a review, all that good stuff. Uh, takes no time at all, and uh, very much helps us out and helps people discover the show and make us more popular and stroke my ego and all that fun stuff. So please do that. And I'll be back again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors recapping the game against the Sixers. 
Uh, here's hoping Joel Embiid plays because he sits out far too often against the Raptors and it's not very fun. So we'll see. Uh, enjoy the game on Monday, afternoon basketball, leave work, go drink at a bar. That's what I'm going to do. It's going to be great. Uh, and uh, yeah, have a, have a good time, everybody. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Have a good one. Cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.